Coming up on Stew Does America, Pat Gray and I risk our precious skins to experience the glory of a slowly reopening America. Then I'm joined by Blaze TV's Eric July and The Blaze's Aaron Colon to discuss the latest in the developing story out of Minneapolis. Head to YouTube right now and type my name into the search bar, then subscribe to the first channel you see. Spoilers, uh, it's me. I'm sorry. Uh, also, follow us on Facebook. You can listen to the show on podcasts from your favorite providers. We're all over the place. You're probably sick of us, but I appreciate you signing up and consider a subscription to Blaze TV. Just go to blazetv.com slash stew and enter the promo code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show and you'll save 10 bucks. I'm on vacation all next week, so be sure to get your fill of everything that is me today because Lord knows there might not even be a country by the time I get back. <laughs> Just kidding. Probably. Stu does America. That's right. Stu does certain death. I don't see Chris Cuomo risking his life for his crappy CNN show. Although I did fake coronavirus for ratings, so that's maybe part of it. Although, I, you know, if he did, I would assume he was lying anyway. You know, that's just the way he is. Like, you know, his brother, Andrew, who is awful. You know who, uh, you know, you know, I pretty much think he's awful. You pretty much think he's awful. Everyone should know that he's awful at this point. And that's why you can get a T-shirt or mug that says so. Go to stewdoesmerch.com and get your Andrew Cuomo is awful swag. Okay, shameless plugs aside, I actually did risk my life for you today. Pat Gray did as well. I knew before my vacation I had to leave you with something truly stunning, something that would put evil Knievel to shame. With that in mind, I present to you Stu Does Certain Death. Hi. Hello. Welcome to the live feed. Uh, Pat and I are here. We're about to go back on the, on the, on the radio in, in just a moment. And, I, you know, we do these things for you. Um, and we need you to subscribe to the YouTube page. So we're going to do stunts mm-hmm. and risk our life. That's, That's what, what do. you do on YouTube, right? That's, right? That's what you do. We don't know much about it, but this is what we think you do on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, please uh, go and subscribe to this channel. Subscribe to Pat Gray Unleashed. Uh, all the shows are available there. If you click on the little bell, you'll get uh, alerts whenever we do stupid crap like this. And when I say stupid crap like this, I don't mean a flippant piece of nonsense. We're going to risk our lives for you. So whatever. I mean, if, if that's not enough for you, tell fine. Me the other, tell me the other show that's doing that today for you. Uh, there isn't one. No. There isn't one. No. You think uh, Brett Baer was risking his life uh, for you today? No. no. He doesn't care. No. Do you think Lars Larson <laughs> is doing his show or John Johnson? I don't think so. They're not risking their lives. My understanding is uh, no. Um, but uh, How about Tommy Thompson? No. Hmm. He's, he's not doing it. Tommy Thompson might be doing it. it oh. We'll have to check yeah, on him. He well, is kind of. He's a rebel. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. He's a rebel. So. Um, so we are here uh, in the studio now. Um, Glenn is uh, back on Monday, by the way, uh, and Glenn will be with Pat next week uh, for a, a, a little uh, Glenn and Pat week of uh, shows, a little reunion of the old of the old days, mm-hmm. um, which will be really cool. And you'll still be doing Pat Gray Unleashed all next week. I will right? all next week. Yes, uh, double duty. Now I will be doing nothing next week, and part of that is I just had to plan for the very real possibility of death today. Uh, we. <laughs> This is going to be a death-defying stunt. You're not going to want to miss it. Get, get all your friends, send this out, share it. The, you're not going to believe, I, and this is, I know I'm giving it a little bit of a, an extra push. We are going to do something legitimately that nobody else in America is doing in about 15 minutes. We're going to drive over there. You'll come with us in the car, and uh, you'll, you'll get to see it happen in real time. All right. Adam, thank you. Are you sure you want to do this? 
Adam is our producer. Uh, I mean, I'm not, not sure about it, but I think I mean I think we've done everything we can to make it safe. This is my job online here. That's true. I mean, they're definitely gonna fire you if I die. Yeah. Well, good luck. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. Yep, that's true. <laughs> Take it easy. I will say this to you. This is something, if you are thinking about doing this yourself, you need to rethink that. Uh, this is not something you should just try at home because you think it's funny uh, or you think you can do it too because you've seen someone on YouTube doing it. This is, we are professionals uh, at something. I mean, it doesn't mean we're professionals at this, but we're professionals at something. Uh, I don't know where Pat is. He may or may not be behind me. It doesn't seem like he's... Yeah, I mean, this is, look, will I be surprised if Pat bails on this? Will I be surprised? The answer to that is no. I don't know if Pat's coming. I can't believe I'm doing this now by myself. Whew. All right. One more minute here to see if Pat, I mean, do you believe this? Pat is bailing. Pat, I, Pat has decided his life is worth more than mine, apparently. And... I mean, it probably is, but still, like, he shouldn't be saying that. All right, I don't see Pat, so here we go. I almost just killed myself at the door. Would have been much worse. <sighs> Cannot believe he didn't show up to this thing. This is incredible. <sighs> All right. Here we go. <gasps> I'm looking around right now. This is legitimately unbelievable. I cannot. Oh, I'm totally calling these people out if this happens. This is unbelievable. I am standing currently in front of what has been advertised as the only movie theater in Texas that is open and showing movies. There is multiple movies advertised for noon today, Texas time. Pat and I, Pat has showed up. Pat and I. Out. Pat has joined us. Here we were, about to go in and risk our lives to watch what we see as a very poorly reviewed Vin Diesel movie. <laughs> <laughs> and I go up to the freaking doors and they are locked. What? They, I, they what? are freaking locked. I'm telling you, they're locked. I just. They are supposed to be open! I'm so pissed. Is anyone on the page? Can you see if the, uh... Spongebob movie, Sponge on the Run. Is, Sp is the Spongebob movie playing today? Maybe we'll see that as well. Oh, we're here Vin Diesel's his best work. Now they're saying it's 12.15. Okay, well, what time movie. is it? It's like 11.15? We're only an hour early. Yeah, I mean, like, I figured they'd be open, right? And we could go down and sit down and talk, because I don't even show up right at the movie start time. Is that what happens? Wait, oh, wait, someone's, someone's pulled up. Hey, how's it going? We'll open the door uh, 11.45, so yep. give me like 15, 20 minutes. Oh, 15, 15, 15 20 minutes. minutes? Okay. Yeah, your movie will start around 12.15, okay? Oh, All okay, right. great. Yeah. Thank you very Thank much. You. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks for opening.
Anytime. All right. All this for you. All right. Well, there you go. There you I go. mean, I think at this point, uh, with a 15, 20 minute wait <laughs> until they're opening the doors, I think we may release you to do something with your day. Yeah. Uh, and then maybe, maybe we come back on and maybe. when yeah. we're inside and, and we show you what it's like to be in an actual movie theater. Yeah. How dangerous it really is. Because mm -hmm. I mean, defying. legitimately, with the exception of there's some drive-ins that have been open, yeah. but there's not many uh, theaters. That, no, there's no theaters. There's no movies to show one of either. The few theaters I think in the entire United States yes. of America. Yes, and we found it, and and we planned really well. And then here we are outside. Here we are. The whole the whole best time. laid plans. Wow, my heart is still beating from the, the, the life that we put on the line today. It was, it was I, you know, look, I know, I'm so brave. I can't help it. I was born this way. Baby, I was born this way. Head to YouTube right now, uh, type in my name, and head to Stu Does America's uh, channel. Uh, I've got uh, part two uploaded where we actually make it into the theater. Shenanigans ensue. A little, a little social distancing where uh, I took the front right uh, seat and Pat took the back left seat of the entire theater. And we thought maybe we were safe doing that. I don't know. We probably are, are on the verge right now of real trouble. Throw a subscription our way if you get a chance and one for Pat Gray Unleashed as well. Whatever you're, you know, whatever you're feeling, it's okay. We'll be back in a second. The anxiety and stress caused by debt is overwhelming. If it makes you feel alone, uh, you know, you're, not, you're not alone with that feeling. Uh, it makes you feel like there's really no way out, especially now with everything that's going on. But there is a way out. It's Freedom Debt Solutions. There is no one-size-fits-all solution to getting out of debt. You know, it depends on what your specific case is. Freedom Debt Solutions has uh, more than 400 debt experts standing by to recommend the right solution for your specific situation. No matter which solution you may qualify for, Freedom Debt Solutions could uh, help you get rid of uh, all that expensive credit card debt and all that nonsense uh, that you owe with one low affordable monthly program payment. And when you're talking about lowering, lowering your overall payment, and it's nice and easy, it's just one instead of money, you know, all to all these different sources, make it easy. Since 2002, uh, Freedom Debt Solutions has served over 750,000 clients, settled over 2.7 million accounts, and settled over $10 billion in debt. So if you have uh, $10,000 or more in credit card debt and are struggling to make monthly payments, there is hope. Stop the stress and anxiety that your debt is causing Find out how you can talk to a Freedom Debt Solutions expert. Get yours free. Uh, your, get the personalized debt consultation, all of it. Go to freedomdebtsolutions.com slash stew. Freedomdebtsolutions.com slash stew. Don't forget slash stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show. Freedomdebtsolutions.com slash stew. Eric July is with us. He's one of our main contributors here, of course, on Blaze TV. And he's host of the podcast For Canon's Sake. Eric, uh, is our planet currently in the process of just falling apart? Is that what yeah, I yeah, I think that's, I mean, that would, they recently had the whole SpaceX uh, thing yeah. happen. Maybe that was what that was about. They're trying to figure out what else is out there because this is done. Yeah, <laughs> we're all ready to leave the planet. Uh, I'm a bit perplexed, as I think you are as well, at this idea that we, for some reason, people can't seem to understand that you can be both very, very upset about what happened uh, to George Floyd 
but at the same time, be upset about the looting. Less upset. I mean, I'm much more upset about a person dying than a business going away. But I'm pretty pissed off about both of them. Of course. I mean, it's a, such an easy thing to be against both of those. I don't know why we have to pretend. And I've been dealing with this all day long for the last 48 hours on social media. People trying to lecture me because I'm like, all right, well, rioting isn't good or uh, looting innocent businesses. They had absolutely nothing to do with it because they weren't the they didn't have their knee on the neck of a man that was slowly dying. It wasn't the local diner or the wig store, yeah. which were owned by black people, ironically out there, that had their property damaged. That They had nothing to do with that. So, yes, I can conceptualize this sort of this, this idea where, OK, one thing is bad. The other thing is bad. And they don't have to be equal. I'm not forced to choose between one. One can be more or less bad, but both of them can be objectively bad. But for whatever reason, we we have this binary line of thinking that if you point out the fact that, OK, rioting isn't conducive to solving this issue, they think that, oh, well, you're more mad about that than lives being taken by the way of the police. It's like, no, where'd you even get that from? It doesn't even make sense. Yeah, and it's really an insulting thing to accuse someone of, right? Like, of course, human life is more important to us than a business, but that does not mean, you know, it's more than just a business. It's more than just a target, right? It's livelihoods. It's the entire neighborhood. You know, I mean, I I go back to thinking about um, Ferguson and back to Watts, right? These neighborhoods and areas are now just locked in with the perception of that's what they're known for. Um, And that's not fair to the 95 percent of people who aren't out burning down buildings. But that winds up happening. You damage your community for decades to come with this stuff. Absolutely. That's unfortunately, these people don't understand the economic impact of it. It's not surprising to me that the people that justify this stuff were the same ones lecturing us for two and a half months about keeping the country locked down. And they were surprised that 40 million people were out of work. They don't seem to understand that it's interconnected. And it's absolutely not these sort of multi national uh, billion dollar corporate entities that were the only ones that are having their property damaged yeah. um, as well. There were smaller businesses that were being looted that had their property damaged. And again, like you said, this is their livelihoods. I was watching a video of a man. He has a GoFundMe uh, now, but he put his life savings into having this dream sort of sports bar. And they looted that while the news was recording it. It was some people coming in there trying to take the safe out of there. So what does that have? How does that help George, uh, George Floyd at all? Absolutely not. These are, again, people's livelihoods at stake. What happens is, is you, you decentivize people to invest in your area mm-hmm. um, and, and so forth. People that worked at the, maybe the target, they are now either unemployed or, or something of that of, of that nature. This is a real thing. And it shouldn't be, uh, for whatever reason, it's binary thinking that we have to take sides and say that, well, you got to you can't be in opposition to both. You have to be in opposition of one, which is just such so so silly. We don't apply that to any other thing that we yeah. do in life. It really is ridiculous. Um, looking at this, uh, you mentioned a connection um, to everything else going on. And I, I had this this feeling as, as well. I'd like to get your take on it where we, we've, we've gone through this period of multiple months here where people are locked down, 40 million people uh, losing their job due to due to this. There's an angst building because of that completely separate from this. And. It doesn't mean that, you know, we've obviously had situations like this with other police uh, interactions with citizens, but we're on the edge already because of everything that's happened with the economy and coronavirus and everything. 
And now you're any one little thing. And this isn't a little thing, but if any little thing can push us over the edge, I feel like we are at a risk for a lot of this stuff coming soon because there is a civil unrest issue that I think we're all going to be dealing with here uh, because we've set the table with basically, you know, ruining the economy of 40 million people and and expecting us to just kind of bounce back. And, hey, we're we're all back together now. I don't know if that happened. So, easily. yeah, people were antsy. People um, were unfortunately looking at this as something that was a very unfavorable situation already. And then you add this. Um, It sort of adds to the turmoil and it doesn't do us any justice to actually try to solve that because I look at it as people on different sides of this being rightfully wrong um, or rightfully upset because Mm -hmm. people were wrong. And you can analyze that and try to direct your frustration towards the people that you deserve to be held liable for whatever is going on. But we're not doing that. Right. And that's why I'm always trying to bring the conversation back to what matters, because it's going to be a lot more people caught in the crossfire. You're seeing this right now mm-hmm. with people, businesses and stuff. If we don't learn to direct that and we can't direct that if we're sitting there having to hold our tongues and can't criticize the fact that people are, uh, you know, looting or, or, or robbing other businesses or whatever they're doing, that doesn't have anything to do with anything. I do think that there's th- things out there that people are legitimately mad about. Or they can be legitimately mad about. Let's let's OK, let's go address it. Yeah. What does that have to do with the, the, the local diner or anything like that? And why is it that I can't discuss like, no, that's not conducive to actually solving anything? Why can't I have that conversation? And until we're ready to, there won't be a solution. And you you, you hit it right on the head. Something else is going to happen. And we're asked to if it was a, a, a more an environment more so that where we weren't as on the edge. Let's say that it wouldn't have been as bad, but it's going to be amplified because yeah you just put 40 million people out of work yeah um it's a lot of nonsense going on and you still aren't actually trying to come up with a solution to that problem and we know the solution is not burning down the place where a mom gets the formula for her baby right like that that's that's not a sensible solution here um i my impression of this though is that there are a lot of people like george floyd's mom who is sitting there saying please don't do this he would hate this He would hate this. There's tons of people in this community that are saying this. Please stop it. And then there's another smaller percentage that are going out there and doing terrible things. And those people get the backing from the media who will justify those actions as like, well, it's okay. You know, they're very upset. And you have to understand this is it's okay for them to do this. You can't justify it. And you're and what are they doing? You're, they're victimizing this community again. They're victimizing George Floyd's mom again, right? Am I? Am I? Am I no, really you're hitting it right. You're saying it perfectly. That's exactly what what's happening. And I use the analogy that I probably can't say here, <laughs> as far as what you're doing is you're looking like we got it on tape, man. This is what I didn't understand. We have it on tape. It's not like we needed a Batman level detective to figure out who killed George Floyd. <laughs> no, we was- knew exactly who who did it. We mm-hmm. we saw it on tape. Yet you then started punching people that had absolutely nothing to do with it. And again, long term, uh, we talked about this uh, on the news and why it matters. We just discussed how when you look at riots before and you look at like the five years after they, they took place and that lack of economic uh, activity, lack of lack of growth and so forth. You are hurting your, these communities and you're not doing them any justice by justifying the fact that people are doing this and participating in this bad behavior. Again, I, I, I don't I'm not of that opinion that I can't cr- criticize them and also on the other hand say, yeah, yeah that murder was not a good thing. Right. right. L- let's go into the, the, the libertarian world here for a minute, because, I, you know, this is where I mostly live. I know you're there all the time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, 
I think a big problem with this is collectivism versus individualism. Mm. Where like when I see a crime go down and I see an officer do something terrible, I want that officer, that officer held responsible. And if someone in a community, black, white, whatever, commits a crime, I want that person to pay the price for it. It seems like in the collectivist vision of this world, we have to overgeneralize and the media will say, well, there's a problem with police in our country. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, look, there are problems with individual policemen. There can be there can be large swaths of them that, that do things that are, are wrong. Um, but if we don't sit here and just say it's not like people who play violent video games shoot up the schools yep. like, I, no, that person who may have played violent video games shot up a school. But he. But we, I think, uh, see the world as individualists. I don't know how you can you can communicate this, because if you see the world in these big groups, yeah. you're never going to be able to solve. These yeah, things. no, that's a real thing. And believe it or not, even some libertarians often get this get this wrong, mm-hmm. where uh, this is why I've always when I talked about like people dying, you know, being murdered, homicide or something like that. I've always spoke against this uh, and I've always said how no matter if that person has a badge or they don't have a badge. I see that as something that is wrong. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter if they have the badge. It, it, none of that. None, none of that matters. And I look at it issue to issue, individual to individual. Now I understand that like, when you're dealing with like governments and stuff like that, they, there's this inst- like the state. You ha- you have this institution um, that is responsible for a lot of death, a lot of destruction, a lot of. Uh, uh, I, I get I get all of that, and I totally understand. I talk about this 365 days throughout the year. But if we can't properly analyze the people that are at fault, then we take then then there's a, there's a larger issue here, and we're even seeing that we're seeing that play out because of the riots and and because the people are destroying other people properly. Uh, property, excuse me, they, they're not actually punching the people that I would say deserve maybe to be punched. <laughs> right. they're, they're not doing that. They're punching people that have <laughs> nothing to do with it. And this is why this is this is a much broader, broader issue. And this comes from, you know, I don't want to get too philosophical, but mm-hmm. talking about property rights and extending from this concept of self-ownership and, and stuff like that. Like we have to have that conversation. And when they're ready, I'm always available to, to yeah. have it because I have it all, all the all the time. But we have to properly identify the issues individually, if we're actually even going to come up with a solution, even from a more larger, larger, uh, larger group, if we can't properly analyze it and say that's wrong or that's right or something of that nature, then we're never going to get to an actual solution. And a lot of people are going to get caught in a crossfire that had nothing to do with it. Yeah, no, it's very, very true. Um, You you mentioned talking about this often and and you do. You posted a clip of one of your uh, songs uh, recently, one of your videos, where you say uh, we always focus on the racism and not on the statism. And that's a really important concept that I think a lot of people lose in this. Can you explain it a little bit? Well, no, yeah, like the the self-ownership in that song, I I said, you know, when a cop shoots a black man, you focus on the racism, ignoring all the statism. I've always said that racism without statism is nothing but a bad idea. And I'm one of the first ones, one of my most popular articles that I I self-published, you know, I was talking about the history of like black Americas. And I was like, if they actually understood their history then they would be libertarians. Mm. You consider slavery, Jim Crow, <laughs> uh, all the Supreme Court, Plessy versus Ferguson, Dred Scott v. Sanford, all, all of this. When you consider that that was state sanctioned, endorsed racism. Mm-hmm. It's one thing for Joe Blow to not like me because I'm black. 
Who cares? It's Joe Blow. <laughs> right. But when that guy has, let's say, a territorial monopoly on use of force, violence, and ultimate decision making, that's different. It hits different. It's more aggressive, and there's less that I can do uh, to combat it. So instead of people focusing on the actual that that, that statism that exists. They limit it to, to race. And that's why it's never a solution. This is why instances when even the white person uh, gets shot. Like, I don't know why people act like white people don't get killed by the police. It actually happens a lot more often than what a, what a lot of people want to give them yeah. credit for. Google Duncan Limp. It's a real thing. People get no knock rated and get killed in their own houses um, when they didn't really do anything to deserve that. So it's a real thing. But we don't have that conversation because why we're limiting about race. I am not at all concerned with trying to even the odds of, of people getting their tails whooped by uh, <laughs> police. I don't care right. if it's, oh, well, well, we need to get it to 25% black and 25% white, 20 25% Hispanic and then 25% Asian and then everything. I don't care about that. Yeah. I care about the aggression. And we need to focus on that. And until we're ready to have that conversation, we'll continue to, to, to you know, see people, unfortunately, getting their tails whooped by the law enforcement officers or getting a short end of the stick when it comes to the state because everybody else is so worried about the racial uh, connotations or the racial makeup of the people that are getting aggressed upon as if aggression just isn't b- bad altogether, mm. no matter who does it. Mm. Eric July, that's uh, I mean, great perspective, man. Thanks so much for coming on. Uh, Eric, of course, you can see on Blaze TV uh, all the time. His podcast is for canon's sake. And uh, you can check them out at blazetv.com slash stew. Use the promo code stew. Uh, Eric, thanks for coming on the program. Thank you. Back in a second. The SAT and ACT often are kind of thought of as, you know, inconvenient tests, kind of a pain. I didn't like taking them when I was back when it was back in the day. Um, but really, you know, they really are the people uh, driving the curriculum in the United States. Uh, there's no question that the College Board, who owns the AAC, uh, SAT, is a, a little bit to the left. You might notice because they put a Bernie Sanders op-ed in the SAT. Ah, uh, that would I would not be happy if my kid had to take that test. Uh, good news is that there is a new company t- uh, taking on the SAT and the ACT. It's the Classic Learning Test, the CLT. It's been around for about four years. It's already in 200 colleges, or I think it's a little above that now. Uh, the final CLT of the year is the June 20th CLT. It's rapidly approaching with the SAT and ACT canceling a lot of the tests because of everything that's been going on. The CLT can do this at home. They, they've, they've developed They've actually added test dates. Um, but there's only one left. June 20th, a CLT is going on. Uh, there are less than 8,000 seats remaining. Get in line if you're a kid or you or whatever. You want to get into college and you don't want to be tortured by Bernie Sanders op-eds, you want to go with the CLT. Uh, register now for the June 20th CLT exam. Uh, go to cltexam.com. It's cltexam.com. This is It's better test, better students, the new way to go. cltexam.com. Register now. We've already been very limited in uh, the ways that we've been able to move around for an unknown thing that we can't discuss on Fridays. Uh, and we went, you know, the movies today, that's now coming back. It feels a little bit of normalcy kind of hitting us again. I don't know. Maybe it's because we're in Texas and we're getting a little bit more than other parts of the, of, of the country. I know that they're talking about now online gaming, uh, sports gambling, coming to more and more states because I guess you can't get to the casino uh, or at least it's going to be limited. So they're trying to roll out online gaming. No, no better way to get through a tough situation than betting on sports. I fully endorse that. Uh, also, the World Health Organization, not going to be getting our cash, according to our president. $450 million a year usually flows to the World Health Organization. Uh, and, you know, we're talking about a, a situation that I think China pays one-tenth of that. I mean, like $40 million, and we're paying $450 million. 
Trump says he's going to pull that money back. We're going to pull out of the World Health Organization and we're going to put that money toward other global health needs. Uh, there's going to be a lot of criticism, of course. We are in the middle of a pandemic. I think ideally, if things were going a little bit better, maybe we wouldn't leave the World Health Organization at least right this second because we're in the middle of a pandemic. However, when we're getting really terrible information uh, and the organization seems to be controlled by China uh, at this point, I, you, know, you, you look at this and you say, well, maybe there are better organizations that can handle this thing. Uh, and maybe those should be uh, more aggressively funded. So we're going to see if that uh, is the right solution. Donald Trump at least says that that's going to happen soon. We'll see if, you know, if it's able to go through. Sometimes these things are really messy. But the World Health Organization has not performed well. And they've performed really as China's force field. And uh, that's not what we're paying for. So we'll find out if we can make that money uh, go to better use coming soon. Back in a second. You need your privacy online. It's really, really important. You've heard me talk about how important it is to have a VPN. And I know a lot of you working are from home uh, still. That's probably going to be going more and more even after all of this is over. It's important to choose a VPN you trust. ExpressVPN doesn't log your data. Lots of really cheap or free VPNs. They make their money by selling your data to ad companies. ExpressVPN doesn't do it that way. They developed a technology called Trusted Server that makes it impossible for their servers to log any of your info. It's kind of awesome. Uh, they've got great speed. Uh, you know, a lot of times you'll get a VPN on there and it, you know, it's going to slow down your device, it's going to slow down your computer. You don't want that. ExpressVPN uh, works really, really well. Your speeds are going to be really fast, even when you connect to servers thousands of miles away. Uh, you can still stream HD quality videos with zero lag. Uh, something else that really sets ExpressVPN apart uh, is how easy it is to use. I'm a bit of a moron, so I need something easy. I just need to, like, you know, pick up the thing, press one button, needs to work. It does. One click uh, in the app and you are connected. Uh, so protect yourself with the VPN that I use and I trust. Go to expressvpn.com slash stew. Get an extra three months free over a one-year package. It's expressvpn.com slash do. Make sure to use the slash do part because that's how they know you love this stupid show. Expressvpn.com slash stew to learn more. Aaron Cullen joins me uh, now from The Blaze. Uh, Aaron, we had charges today. Uh, third degree murder. Mm -hmm. And manslaughter. And manslaughter. Um, the third degree murder, that basically is, just, it's not premeditated, obviously. Right. I think it's performing sort of an inherently dangerous action without, you know, regard for the person's life, uh, but no premeditation, no necessarily intent. And I think they went that way because they don't want to overcharge and try to have to prove that he went into that situation with murderous intent or something like that. And so I think they're trying to make sure that they're precise with that charge so they don't have to prove something that's very difficult to prove. Yeah, they can theoretically up it, can they? If they get, if they had more, if they get more information in theory. Yeah, I think so. I okay. think they could, but you know, you want to. People yeah. can get off if you overcharge, so you right. want you want to start in the right place there. So yeah, I think that's a good move. Is the system working right now on this? The system seems to be going through the motions. I mean, some people, you know, you might complain that why did it take however many days, three days or two days? to have these charges. Um, I don't know what the discussions that were going on behind the scenes, um, what were they looking at that made them think that maybe they didn't need to arrest and charge this officer. Right. Uh, that, so that's a, a complaint that you could have. But overall, I mean, you have to be happy about the fact that 
this happened, it came out, and now he's going through the justice system. He's been arrested. So from just a foundational aspect, you have to say the system is working despite all the noise that's going on around it. Yeah, and that's why, I mean, look, a couple days, I think... Inherently, anything involving a police officer, police officer in violence is a bit more complicated because of the unique role they play uh, in our society. Right. Like we, you know, they're they pull their guns on people all the time and, you know, they don't get charged every time they pull a gun because they are police officers. So it, it can be a little bit more complicated. This one was about as straightforward as, as you could as you could be. Two days isn't a. Uh, an incredible amount of time, but man, it feels like forever when half the city's burning down. Yeah, and that's the thing. There's a sense of urgency when you've got people outraged about the lack of perceived accountability for the situation. You've really got to move as quickly as you can, and maybe they did, but you've got to move as quickly as you can to show people that what happened, a man died on the ground and something that looks to most of us to be completely unnecessary yeah. and excessive, and nothing is happening, so people are looking around at what's going on, looking for the authority figures to, to do something. And I think, I can't remember if it was the district attorney or the county attorney who came out and said well we're looking at some things that may indicate that maybe he shouldn't be charged yeah. mm -hmm. and so when that comes out it kind of inflames things more because people are worried are you leaning toward letting this guy completely off the hook for this thing it turned out that that didn't happen but that delay i mean that's why this thing stretches out so long because the city's on fire and then you don't know what the outcome is going to be yeah because i mean the, one of the things that seemingly has come out in the reporting on this is the the uh, when they're figuring out cause of death they don't think it was asphyxiation, which, again, I, you know, I'm not a doctor. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know that it necessarily matters. I think we're all pretty clear as to who was responsible right. for it. Um, I don't know exactly all the details, obviously. Um, but when it comes down to it at the end of the day, our system can only do a few things, right? It can, it can, they can fire The guy can get fired, which has happened. They can charge him, which has happened. And they can convict him and throw him away. Uh, that one hasn't happened yet, but that's seemingly down the road. Yeah, and so I guess you look at the system is working right now after the fact. And so then you want to look at, okay, is it working to prevent situations like this from happening? And I think part of that comes to making sure that police officers are being held accountable for things that don't result in somebody's death. To make sure that if they have excessive force complaints or if they have mm -hmm. things that are questionable to where their judgment may be in question in terms of how they, you know, they exercise their authority, you need to hold them accountable then so it doesn't escalate to the point where somebody dies and then suddenly you look back and say, well, 18 people in different situations had complained about this person's use of force. Right. Some of those may have been unjustified, but nothing was done about them. You have to be handling these in real time. And I think that's where the system can improve is holding police officers more accountable for their actions that are not high profile, race based yeah. or, you know, ending in somebody's death. Uh, are you calling out Amy Klobuchar right now? Because it sounds like you are. Well, she, she did not go after she, this officer. Her, her VP is her VP, um, shot, right? Yeah, it's, it's over for her. I yeah. mean, even if, you know, I saw something that said that maybe the next um, county attorney was actually the one who made that decision in 2007. I don't mm -hmm. know how accurate that is, but it doesn't matter. The perception on that is that she let this thing go. So, you know, Biden's got to move on from her because this is such a hot button issue that you don't want to bring somebody in that's going to be toxic like that. No, not there's, a, there's no. no benefit to it. Not a good idea. No. She wasn't a good candidate for that anyway. Yeah. So, I, you know, I don't know if there are really good candidates no. for this particular slot. Um, let me ask you about uh, the journalism side of this. Uh, this morning, uh, you know, I'm uh, I'm listening, torturing myself, listening to CNN. Uh, on the way in, and I hear uh, a, an off, uh, a, a journalist mm -hmm. uh, reporting and being completely calm and completely respectful 
And the officers are asking him to move. He says, uh, let me move. You know, to, where do you need me to go? Totally accommodating. Totally accommodating. In fact, at one point says something you might get angry at from the other side because he says, we're just here to tell your, tell your story, tell your message or yeah. something like that. He actually kind of almost seems like, hey, we're here to help you guys. Um, whether you think that's true or not, it, yeah. it's certainly what he said. And then he gets arrested, uh, pulled away. They arrest a couple of other producers, inexplicably leave the camera on and sitting there on the ground yeah, filming the entire could thing. See it. Yeah. Everyone could see it. I just, I, you know, I'm sure CNN and everyone's going to make, you know, uh, every reporter, they're going to focus on this story because they love talking about journalists. But it really was uh, I mean, it was inexplicable. Yeah, and it's bizarre in the context of what's going on in that city. And you see that the police force made the decision, I think it was last night, to just say, you know what, we're going to evacuate out of this area. We're going to let them do what they do because it's too dangerous for our officers to be in there. And so people are stealing things and setting things on fire and not getting arrested or checked in any kind of way. And then you see a reporter getting arrested. Yeah. And you, wh what is the strategy of the police force? And it might have been a different department from the Minneapolis yeah. PD. Uh, but still, you just look at the authority figures in the situation and say, what is the strategy here? What are we doing? What was being accomplished by that arrest? Surely within eyesight, there was something more egregious going on than whatever they thought this reporter was doing. No, she was um, nothing. And, I mean, so, and so and it sets up a narrative when, you know, obviously, if it's a black reporter, yeah. it fans the flames. Again, this situation is so undercut with perceived, real or perceived racial um injustice or unrest and so when you have something like this happen it just kind of adds to the fire of headlines of black reporter gets arrested by cops who appear to be white and it kind of gets us further away just like the riots have gotten us further away from the real issue which is police accountability for their authority and their ability to use force on people somebody again died because an officer used this excessive force that is the issue that started all of it and the further we get away from it with Trump tweets or CNN reporters arrested or riots, the further we get away from solving this problem and preventing in two years or five years the next set of riots for a situation like this. Yeah, and I think that's such an important point because we, you know, individually in this situation, we certainly understand why the context of race is prominent here. Mm -hmm. We all understand that. Um, in this case, like we don't know yet necessarily if there is a racist motive in this thing. And we will probably never know. That's probably the thing we'll never about it. Right. Yeah. I mean, like you know, sometimes you'll, things will trickle out. Uh, you know, postings online and and maybe previous incidents uh, that that you know had the same sort of patterns. But like we may never know. Uh, there has to be something, though. I think when you're the Minneapolis, when you're in the Minneapolis Police Department, uh, Police Department, or the State Police, who is responsible for the journalism, uh, the journalist from CNN. Mm -hmm. There has to be some concept of what things look like. Yes. Like, I, you know, if, if any if this person going in and stealing televisions, whether they're black or white, should get arrested in my book. Um, but like the, you can't you can't arrest a black journalist in the middle of this, like unless you absolutely know they did something wrong. Right. And you think about it in the context of this Amy Cooper thing, calling the cops on the bird watcher. Yeah, yeah. Or there was another story where some guys were in an office that they had a right to be in because they had a business and they were the guy, a white guy called the cops on them for using the gym. Like these examples are floating around. And yeah. so you as a police officer kind of have to be have some awareness as there are literal riots going on around you. You have to have some awareness of what you're doing and whether it's serving any purpose. And a guy standing there with a microphone in front of a camera, he's probably not the, the most of your worries at that point. <laughs> so, so you would think that you would just kind of let that go and have some awareness. But it all goes to this problem of trust from the community 
of police officers. If that trust doesn't exist, there will be more negative interactions between the, the citizens and the police officers, which will result in more violent incidents and more things like this. And if you're talking about a community or an area that's predominantly black and a police force that might be predominantly white, then you're going to always have these racial narratives, again, real or perceived. And, it, you know, each situation is individual. and You don't know. But if it's that if it's made up that way, then you're going to be dealing with that story and you have to do everything you can to avoid that. One of the big narratives, of course, coming from the media as well is, is everything goes back to Donald Trump somehow. Mm -hmm. And he's brought into every story no matter what. The first day of this particular story, I, I noticed he really wasn't a focus of it. And I think that lot, largely because the only tweet that he had put out there was, you know, we're starting an investigation with the DOJ. Yeah. Right. Like everyone's like, yeah, that That's sounds fine. fantastic. Mm -hmm. So they never they never talk about him when he tweets the right thing. Mm -hmm. um, and then he goes into this place where he's talking about shooting people. Yeah, looting and shooting. Uh, looting and, and shooting. Yeah. You know, I. I he had clear, he clarified that, by the way, and mm -hmm. sort of I think he improved it by saying I was talking about the fact that if people are looting, then they're going to get shot by business owners or whatever the case may be. Yeah. There's been examples of that. Oh, yeah. And so yeah. a day later, he's clarified it. But the damage has already been done in terms of the outrage over it. Yeah. And I, I think like the, they're always going to bring in and look at the worst possible way. Mm -hmm. You know, he means something like that. I, I, what does a president do, though? This is not really the domain of a president. No. And this is kind of a frustration is that we always people always have this tendency to look at the federal government to mm -hmm. say you need to fix this so they look at congress they look at the president they look at these people who are so removed from the situation to do it but when you're talking about holding a police department accountable for the way that their officers do the job in the community you need to look at who you elected in your city you need to look at who you elected in your county you need to look at who who you're putting in these positions in that area. And so I hope that, you know, politically, I hope that the Republicans in that area, the state and local Republicans will take advantage of this opportunity to say, listen, we can present some solutions to how this works. We can present some, some alternatives to a democratic run area and say, we can do better than this. We can hold them more accountable than this. We can limit the abuse of power of government better than this because it really does happen at that level. And if you're looking at Trump and what he's doing when it comes to something like this, you're missing the point and you're never going to get it solved because he, he can speak on it, he can influence the conversation on it, but he can't really do anything about it. But, and, you know, Ferguson happened, Obama was president. Yeah. It wasn't because Obama said something, you know, he, you know, he said pretty standard things about, you know, these situations. He didn't say anything inflammatory for the most part, but it doesn't matter because he is not the cause or the solution to these localized instances of police brutality against citizens, whether they're white, black or whatever. Uh, real quick before we go, let me just put you on the spot here. Uh, what's the right thing to say? Like you're the mayor of the city. What is the is there anything that you can come up with that is able to say, look, we we despise what happened to this man, mm -hmm. but we can't punish other people in the community for it. How, how does how do you communicate that effect? Yeah. And I think the mayor said something. He really focused in on the race aspect of it. I think he said something like black men shouldn't, you know, have a life death sentence or something like that. He really leaned into that aspect of it. I don't know. You know, that might make things worse, honestly, because it just inflames people and make them more angry and feel validated about what they're doing. No, that's probably not a good thing you can say because the people are going to be upset anyway. Um, you can urge calm. You can assure people that you're going to move quickly with the investigation. But it's all sort of a show because people see the video of what happened yeah. and their reaction to what that is, is what it's going to be. And it's an awful video. And no matter what the mayor says, when you see somebody on the ground with a police officer's knee on their neck for seven minutes while they die in the street, 
it doesn't matter what any politician says, you're going to be angry about that. Yeah, and nothing that they say can bring the guy back to life. No. Uh, I mean, it's just unbelievable that this is going on still. Uh, Aaron Cullen, writer for The Blaze, uh, thanks so much for hanging around and, uh, and, and, and talking about this. Uh, hopefully, hopefully we can get through this stuff soon and uh, long term, figure it out. Back in a second. Wait, what? Andrew Cuomo is awful. We'll see you in a week.